Most important thing, I think resilience, don't give up. If you're passionate about something you're building, go for it. And one thing that's kind of tied to it is what will help you stay resilient is your team. It's build the culture, build the team that will stand with you during great times and during not so great times. So I would say resilience and team, team, team. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Now, today we've got a, another great guest on the podcast. Arena Fine, and uh, Arena is, uh, grew up in uh, northern Russia, and uh, when she was four, they uh, put her on the track to be a piano player, uh, went off uh, to the University of Moscow, and went into the field of education. Um, the goal, uh, goal was, uh, chain, or was to change, tra- or was uh, to change the, the track system in Russia with education. Um, uh, after a period of time, moved to the U.S. when she was uh, 25 and then went to the University of Massachusetts and then to NYU for postgraduate, um, worked for McKinsey for a period of time, went back into education for a while, and then a friend and her decided to uh, start an educational product uh, that's uh, with conversational AI and build some tech, pause the business, uh, and then is uh, circling back to it after uh, about with cancer. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast. Thank you for having me. That was such a great summary of my journey from basically birth up till now. Awesome. Well, uh, I, I guess I have the innate ability to condense everybody's lives into the 30 or 45 second version of it. Um, but why don't we uh, circle back and unpack things uh, just a little bit. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got uh, started uh, in uh, in northern Russia. Well, um, I was born in northern Russia and uh, stayed about five years, um, grew up close to the Arctic Circle across from Finland. Um, my mother, I actually grew up in a uh, household of innovators. Uh, my mother is a neuroscientist and she worked on developing methodologies, uh, materials and manipulatives for children ages zero to seven. So I grew up testing everything she created and designed and that kind of is totally helping me on my innovators journey. Um, that's how it all started. No, it sounds like a great start down. And I think one of the things that you'd mention is, and sounds like, and I'm not as familiar as, as you obviously are, that uh, Russia has a, a bit of more of a, a track system or you you tend to at an earlier age start kind of down a, a road. And I think that you mentioned you, you were kind of in the piano playing for, or musician, professional, something or other along those lines. Yes, um, uh, it's changing a little bit now, but when I was growing up, it was a very tracked system. Literally, teams of educators would evaluate children uh, when you turn three. And then if you had, if it was decided, um, rigorous testing, um, if it was decided you had a math capacity, you would go to a specialized math school. If it was decided you had language capacity, you would go to specialized language schools. So I ended up, I had perfect pitch and uh, um, hands that 
had potential to develop and play very complex piano pieces. So I was put on a piano performing track when I was four. And I loved music, but from four to 15, it was literally starting with two hours a day. And by the time I was 15 entering high school, my day was six, seven hours of piano practice every day. And I was interested in music. I was interested in other languages. I was interested in um, history, linguistics. Um, so I really wanted to get out of, the, of that track, explore a little broader. And that's kind of what pushed me into the curriculum design field. Um, I wanted to build a system that was more integrated where you could expose children to art, science, you know, math, all very you know, basic, but also in depth and then let them decide when they're ready, you know, high school, college, the way normal societies do that, um, open doors and then let them decide which path they wanna take. So that kind of uh, fueled my passion for education and system reform and curriculum design. No, definitely makes sense. And, you know, I I, I wouldn't uh, probably fit well into the, the track system. I'd, I'd probably have too many diverse, uh, different uh, endeavors I'd want to do. And so I definitely get uh, getting into that and wanting to, to change that around a bit. Now, as you got into the educational field, I think, you know, at one point you decided to move to the U.S. So what kind of motivated that? Was it educational opportunities or wanted to change a location or different opportunities or kind of walk us through how uh, or the, the transition from uh, Russia over to the U.S.? Yep. Well, the reason was family. So I was at the University of Moscow and um, one of my, as I was graduating, I um, was hired by one of the first American companies that were able to uh, do business in Russia. And um, I met a person uh, named Ian Fried and he became my very close friend. He's actually my co-founder. So he came to Russia as part of Harvard Institute for International Development to build the first financial clearing clearance system. Um, every Russian citizen was issued a voucher uh, kind of indicating what you own. But then the privatization ministry that did that did not think much further, did not think how we're we going to clear you know, millions and millions of vouchers. So a group came and designed the clearance system. And uh, so I met Ian Fried there and then 1992, and we remained friends. And at the same time, I also met my future husband. So I tried to remain in Russia for about two, three years. And then the long distance US-Russia did not really work very well. So I moved when I was 25, uh, got married when I was 24, moved here at 25. So family was the reason, but it was a nice transition from Moscow State to University of Massachusetts where I got my master's. I wanted to work with Professor Sonia Nieto there because she was mm -hmm. focusing on differentiated instruction, how to meet every student where they're at, right? And that was my kind of, um, I was of their economic background, ethnic background, how to help them get onto that path that was their dream versus, you know, circumstantial or just not by choice. Gotcha. No, makes, uh, makes perfect sense. So now, so, you know, you come to the U.S., you, you know, you go to graduate school, you, you, you know, do postgraduate work. And then if I, if I remember right, as you're coming out of, uh, you know, the additional schooling, you went to work in uh, McKinsey for a period of time before getting back into education. Is that right? Yes, yes. So I finished my postgrad work at NYU and I worked for Metro Center, which was focusing on helping schools that were about to close 
due to underperforming test scores. Um, I helped those schools redesign curriculum, train teachers in new curriculum, and kind of help them survive and not close. And that was super exciting and super um, uh, inspiring. Um, my husband got moved to the US, to the UK with his company. And I thought, you know, I know Russian educational system. I now know US educational system. I am not going to spend years to try to plug it, to, to get plugged in into the UK. So I chose to work. I worked for McKinsey there for about four years. Um, and then when I transferred back to the US, so five years at McKinsey, nonprofit and technology practice. Um, super, I mean, I am grateful for their kind of training. Um, in business uh, strategy, organizational strategy, business strategy, uh, made wonderful friends. Um, and that kind of exposed me um, to the business environment. And actually when I moved back to, the, to New York, um, I stuck a little bit in business. I worked for a startup called the Grow Network and that was founded by David Coleman who is currently the president of College Board. And again, very inspiring. Um, we designed an innovative product that helped parents um, deal with you know the two numbers that you get at the end of every year this is your child's math score and this is your child's reading score black and white paper two black and white numbers what do i do with them so that company we actually tried to break those down and build an instructional component to it um, and i really liked the startup environment uh, we end up selling the company to mcgraw hill and that's when i went back to teaching a little bit of family balance had two kids um, and back on the education the true education track no, oh, sounds like uh, quite the journey and uh, lots of uh, lots of uh, or twists along the way, and sounds like a, a fun time. So, so now you you know got married, had kids, pursued different uh, opportunities, um, and then at one point I think that you'd mentioned, and it, it sounds like it was a friend that you'd uh, met earlier on in the journey, but that you guys decided to you know to kind of switch gears or, or go into some of the educational products with the conversational AI, or kind of walk us through how you got to that point. Totally. Um, so I was working in the school system and Ian Fried, who I mentioned, um, he worked for Amazon for about 15 years. Um, he ran the Kindle team. So from start from conceptualizing Kindle to building it and to shipping several versions of Kindle, versions of Kindle. And then he ran the Alexa team, which dealt with the voice recognition technology. And as they were building um, the Alexa devices and testing the voice recognition software, he saw that the most native users and the most who benefited were actually children ages five to 10. Um, it was, you know, search by voice or interaction by voice. It was so natural to them. Um, and he was kind of done with his, you know, corporate career. So he reached out about four years ago and said, something about voice and education. Can we do something? You know, education inside out. And uh, um, he's a tech, he's an astrophysicist, worked in tech 30 years, super talented, super humble. We're great friends. Uh, he knows my kids, I know his kids. So we've stayed in touch for 30 years um, and always wanted to work again together. So we mm -hmm. set out to create um, learning applications that use that voice and native ability of younger children to interact with voice technology and see if we could focus on that and get some um, impact on learning outcomes using learning applications and reading and math using voice. That's how we started and uh, uh, built a team and uh, love working together and uh, hoping to, you know, achieve great scale and impact a lot of students. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. So now you guys, have, so you got together, you said, okay, 
want to stay in the educational industry, got an idea for a product, have a, a partner that I want to work with, all, you know, kind of those pieces lined up. So you started the business and walk us through a little bit. How has it gone? Is it taken off and it's been a rocket ship to the top where you have more money than you know what to do with? Is it one where it's still figuring things out, still getting the customers along the way? Has it gone bankrupt along the way and uh, you wish you'd never done it or somewhere in between, but walk us through a, a little bit of, of how it's gone for you. All of it, we're still <laughs> figuring it out. The summary is we're still figuring it out. Um, we have we have a great team. We're still very small. We're about six people, engineering, content, some literacy experts, um, and Ian and myself. Um, we started on the Alexa platform and perfected our voice recognition engine and something that we patented um, on the Alexa platform, tested with focus groups, worked with Boys and Girls Club to bring it into homes. Um, and then about two years ago, when we felt like the product was good enough, um, actually last year, maybe a year, a little bit before then, in 2021, uh, we decided, okay, we know the Alexa platform, um, it is device specific. So we wanted to expand to other platforms. Also, as we were going through the pandemic, parents were using our tool because everybody was sick off the screen, right? And seeing something that did not require screen that students can interact, or children can interact with our books without looking at the screen, right? They could turn away, still hear the books, answer questions. And I will tell you a little bit about the product. So the product is basically, what we have at the moment is a collection of books and we license from children's publishers, um, highlights for children. We work with Peng Penguin Random House, teacher created materials. So we have books and we integrate conversations in those books. So a couple of sentences narrated and then children would be asked an open-ended questions and they can answer free form anything they want to say. And that what has been super hard to build. And that's where kind of our claim to fame is that we can take anything that's coming at us and evaluate it accurately, accurately and provide real-time meaningful feedback. So we built some partnerships with publishers, moved from Alexa to iOS in 2021, um, because as we were going through the pandemic and schools were beginning to converge with home a little bit, because you know everybody's at home, but on Zoom participating in school instruction, parents and teachers became more connected. So a lot of teachers were saying, me, were saying to me, we know you're on Alexa, but please, please bring it onto the standard platform. And when they say standard platform, it's basically iOS, you know, and the web app. So 2021, at the end of 20, towards the end of 2021, we started to work on the iOS platform, which we launched January 2022, so last year. So not only we brought another platform, but we also pivoted to B2B added in, in addition to our consumer version, we added a school version. And it was super exciting. And we started talking to schools. And of course, as life would have it, as I mentioned to you, October 2021, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Out of the blue, you know, team was growing, business was growing. And I was basically faced, you know, very, very aggressive medical treatment, right? Urgent, aggressive. And I decided, you know what, um, family, friends, we're all, you know, back and forth. Should you just pause, step out? And I didn't, right? So I did our pilots between my chemo treatments. So I would travel, my husband would come with me to lift the suitcases and bring me food and medication. But you know, it, I do believe in what we're building. 
And that's what kind of helped me stay positive, right? Stay forward looking and not Google all the symptoms and prognosis and what's going to happen. It focused my mind on something I believed would have a long lasting effect and impact. And that actually helped me. And yes, it was hard, you know, physically half the time, but I'm a workaholic from, you know, my early, early, early work days. Um, and it actually helped me and kind of brought the team together. We kept it private, you know, some partners knew, my team knew, uh, but I didn't want to be answered. Now I'm totally fine answering the question, how are you doing? But mm -hmm. as I was going through it, like, I wasn't doing well. So I didn't want to take all the phone calls and answer and have that conversation. So we kept it pretty, uh, pretty private. No, so that's kind of, so we pivoted, we moved to B2B, we still have our B2C. Um, we added the whole iOS platform. And this year in January, we added the web platform. So now the app is available on any device, Chromebooks, Macs, PCs. So pretty fast moving. Um, we won nine RFPs in nine school districts. So we got some traction. We're running some pilots, um, actually signed two new channel distribution agreements last month. Uh, one is with Mackin, which is a um, educational supplemental resources distribution global. And then another one is ClassTag, which is a closed platform for families and schools serving 5 million families, uh, both teachers and parents. So we're working with distribution partners, school districts, uh, publishing partners, but we're still figuring it out. We still need to build. We actually spent a lot of time on building research because as you probably know, efficacy, especially now in education, and as a former educator, I know I want to see numbers and result backing up the claim that this product actually does what we intended to do. Um, and we spent, we partnered with Learn Platform, awesome third party research organization. They did our pilot study. They certified us as ESSA level three, which is every student succeeds act um, by the federal government, which basically makes us eligible for federal funding because yes, there's data proving that if you start Bamboo Learning six weeks later, your scores and this is the impact you will see. Um, so it's been exciting, but it's still the beginning. Like I consider us in the second year in this school district market. Um, and we're about four years old in terms of technology and perfecting the engine. Uh, so still figuring it out. It's up and down. And uh, I attended ASU GSV, which is an, the biggest ed tech conference um, in San Diego, came back yesterday, networking partners, um, a lot of curriculum providers are beginning to get interested in voice-based education. So it's super interesting field, super interesting time, but still super hard. Uh, a lot of work to do. Well, sounds like plenty to, to keep you busy and uh, and keep you going, which is, is awesome. And I, I think that the, you know, having something that excites you in life and uh, gives you a purpose uh, can uh, make a big difference in a lot of different areas. So that's awesome. So well, now as we've caught up to the the present day of the journey and uh, and and seen where the business is at and where it's headed, uh, great time to transition to the the two questions I always like to ask at the end of each episode. So we'll uh, jump to those now. Um, so the first question I like to ask is: Along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Um, the worst business decision I think I have made. Um, was not to focus on partnerships from the very beginning. And it doesn't apply to all businesses, right? But in ed tech and specifically when selling to school districts, um, it's very hard to enter 
as a small standalone product. So partnerships kind of give you one, some clout and validation that actually you're doing something interesting. And also they can give you access to customers. Let's say there's a partner who has no technology at all, right? So we could help them kind of differentiate their offering a little bit and they would give us access to their customers. So we are focusing on it now, but I think at the beginning, we were putting all of our effort into how do we make it as, you know, as stand, yes, we had publishers, you know, we had content partnerships, but those are not the partnerships that gave us access to customers. And I think that was probably the worst uh, uh, business decision that we made and we are rectifying it now. And it's going partnering with nonprofits because a lot of nonprofits work with the populations that I would love to serve. It's the underserved communities. It those with students who are struggling, right? That's who our product is benefiting the most. It's the English language learners. It's the minority students. It's those who struggle and perform at the below basic level. And so partnering with nonprofits, and there's a lot of philanthropy money that would underwrite a good for-profit product, delivering it to those who actually need it. So we're definitely on the right path, but that was, I would say that was a mistake uh, that we made um, last year, at the beginning of last year. No, it makes sense. And, you know, that's one that I think sometimes just comes with the evolution of the business as you're trying to figure yeah. out where the customer is, how we reach them, who, you know, what the message is. And sometimes, you know, it just takes a bit of iteration to, to go through that, figure out uh, what uh, what works and, uh, and and where to focus on. And sounds like a easy mistake to make, but a good one to learn from. So awesome. Totally. Second question now that I ask is now if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Most important thing, I think resilience, don't give up. If you're passionate about something you're building, go for it. And one thing that's kind of tied to it is what will help you stay resilient is your team. It's build the culture, build the team that will stand with you during great times and during not so great times. So I would say resilience and team, team, team. No, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's a great takeaway. And I think, you know, you hit on it, you know, a team is that is one that will, you know, stand by in the times, whether it's cancer, whether it's just slow down a business, whether it's having to pivot or adjust or, you know, go in a different direction. I think having that, you know, that support system around you and or having the ability to or have people step in and help out can uh, make a big difference on the business. So I think that's a great takeaway and a great piece of advice. So well, with that, now as, uh, as we're wrapping up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? You could go on our website, bamboolearning.com. Um, you could go on my LinkedIn, search Arena Fine. That's probably the most social media that I check. I sometimes, I don't, uh, you know, um, email, yes, email, they could email me, ifine at bamboolearning.com, uh, very easy. So any of those channels would be great. And uh, um, anybody interested, like parents or teachers in trying, they could just contact me or contact us at info at bamboolearning.com. And we would be happy to set up a trial, send a promo code, set up a pilot, um, any, any, any of that. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect, um, support a great business. If nothing else, make a, a new best friend. So, well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you the listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. 
couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, and leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else along your journey, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. Thank you, Devin. Thank you for having me on. It was great.